Hello everyone and welcome to Future Talk with myself, Harry Moy and Sam Kluska. How are you today, Sam? Yeah, good, thank you. Yeah, all good. Interesting topic today. Um, we're going to be discussing uh, online communities. So I don't know what your position is on this, but I've had some interesting dealings with um, certain communities on, on Twitter recently, specifically around the cryptocurrency space. Um, so I thought it'd be a, a good topic to get into um, and see where we go. So uh, it, it kind of was initially birthed from uh, a cryptocurrency named Chainlink, um, known as our dollar link. And uh, within this community on Twitter, you have a thing called Link Marines. And uh, it's quite it's quite a comical thing to have around basically essentially like a technology or an asset, as some people would see it, um, whereby they all label themselves with like avatars, which is like Pepe the Frog in, in different so for anyone that doesn't know Pepe the Frog, it's like that cartoon green frog um, that we always see on the internet, which is like... Which is which is quite interesting because Pepe the Frog is associated with like right wing. Is it? Like it's 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 associated with sort of like white supremacy. Is it really? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I didn't know that. Okay. Yeah, it's, it's a lot of, I think particularly kind of under the... The rise of Trump and Trump supporters, and the the whole 4chan and people like that, the the Pepe the Frog meme is is quite prominent. Mm. Well, I think perhaps it's um it's transcended that, or people not really understanding its birthplace, me included, because I've used it. Well, so so the creator didn't intend on it being like that. So the creator of the comic was uh, made it and just I think meant it in the, in the kind of the light hearted innocent way. But then it it was kind of taken over by the right wing people, to, then the white supremacists, to the point in which the creator of Pepe the Frog was like, "Please stop it, like making memes that are racist." Really? Yeah. Well, that's interesting. Well, I mean, that's another layer to uh, the chain link Marines, then I guess. But um, yeah, I just thought it was it was a really interesting thing whereby those that are new to to investing in Link or or discovering its technology, um, I kind of almost ushered into like joining the army, the Link Marine Army, and you can see the conversion like slowly happen for for those people where they they'll have a Pepe the Frog avatar, and then they'll be like on mass if anyone is talking bad about Chainlink. If you look at the replies in that in that tweet, then it will be basically be like a bunch of like people like responding quite aggressively, and they've all got like Pepe the Frog avatars, and it'll be like Marine Soldier or some stupid like comical name. It's it's really odd because it's an asset class. Yeah. It's a cryptocurrency. So you wouldn't see, well, I guess you see it with like Tesla holders, like Tesla, Tesla stockholders are, are similar in the fact that they, they seem to have quite a, a fanboyism over the particular stock. Mm. But you wouldn't see a lot of other assets, people who hold them being so vitriolic towards people that speak against it or just being so tribal. I mean, there's... You look at like Bitcoin, for example, and you and I have both got the laser eye meme on on Twitter as our as our profile picture. Yeah. But I wouldn't say that we are, you know, jumping into the replies of people who are saying bad things about Bitcoin. I mean, personally, I tend to actually take the piss out of the kind of the Bitcoin maximalists on, on mm-hmm. Twitter. So yeah, I find it I just find it so strange the fact that you've got like this group of people that are tribal over an asset class and uh, are just jumping into people's replies and saying bad things. 
So the Tesla one's interesting then, because is would you say it's basically it it could be commonplace for new asset classes, whereas sort of the traditional stocks there's not much to get behind in terms of the the community around it. Whereas it seems like maybe Elon is the factor with the whole Tesla stock thing. So I see it a bit differently. I see it as being more that there's been a rise in retail trading over institutional trading. Mm. So retail trading is people going on to something like Robinhood or going on to free trade in the UK, trading to on to these free brokerage apps. So commission-free apps that allow you to buy stocks. And this is game-changing for the, the market, for the stock market, as we've seen with the, the GameStop short squeeze where Wall Street bets went and um, and basically pumped up the price of, of GameStop stocks. Yeah. Tesla has been one of the stocks that during this rise of retail trading, a lot of people have bought. And that's reflected in the fact that its stock price has gone up by about 10, uh, 10 times in, in the past year. Mm. You know, it's gone from about trading about $70, $80 to reaching about $800, $900. And that's you know a, a, a meteoric rise. Now, I think because of it having so many people jumping on to it, that's why we're seeing Tesla in particular being one of these stocks that's got this kind of community with it. I don't see that being similar with some like a stock like Microsoft or you know just just your kind of traditional boring kind of stocks. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't think you really get that, but the meme stocks, as it were, has that because I think you've got these communities that are actively saying buy the stock. It's interesting, yeah. So I guess you're saying is that there was no community before because essentially now what has happened is the community has been enabled by retail investors. Yes. So, so by yeah. retail investors being shut out initially, that there was never a chance for that sort of community to grow, I guess. Yeah. I mean, the people that initially invested in stocks were people that th their profession was to invest in stocks. Mm -hmm. And you can't imagine them being fanboys <laughs> <No>. <laughs> <laughs> or fangirls over, over, I mean, fan persons, is that the right term? Over, over stocks. Like you, you can see it, like people at JP Morgan or Morgan Stanley kind of, like acted in such a way over stocks, couldn't see it happening. But now, now that retail trading is is really exploded, that's why we're seeing it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I guess it, it's just it's just wild. I think like if, if for anyone that hasn't been on crypto Twitter, I think um, it's a very interesting experience, and it's it's quite entertaining. If anything, and it's it is about asset an asset class or, or a technology. So it's it's really strange how retail investors sort of almost pull you away from the fact that that's what it is and it, it becomes something more than just a new technology or, or an asset class and i feel like they always say within trading and stuff like take the emotion out but essentially what the communities do online is put the emotion in and like yeah. in bucket loads yeah and what, what i find i do find like the whole crypto twitter really interesting just because i think there's a lot of people that are producing some really insightful stuff on crypto twitter because there's the financial element of it, but there's also the technological element of it. Mm. And you've got these, these are assets that are pieces of technology and they do different things. They act different ways. And that's one of the reasons why some are valued higher than others. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting to understand why that is. But I also feel like there's a bit of like a, a cesspit of bit on, on crypto Twitter as well, where 
if you've seen Twitter has a thing of like when you click a tweet and you see the replies, have you seen it has show more replies? Oh yeah, yeah, I've seen that. And yeah. and that's normally at hiding all of the rubbish replies, like the trolls, a lot of it I think there's certain keywords I've noticed that if you write then if you put things like if you do think you say like i think if you put like swear words or if you if you say anything where it sounds like an insult mm-hmm. then you just get put there mm. and i think that crypto twitter's just got a lot of that as well but i don't i don't know where it's come from i'm not sure if it is a bit like the kind of nerds just the classic internet nerd really of yeah. like being the classic internet troll yeah and, yeah. and it just being an extension of Xbox 360 versus PS3, Xbox One versus PS4, consoles versus PC, Apple versus Microsoft, Android versus iPhone, just all of these kind of classic fanboy wars that we've seen over the years. And now it's just moved into into crypto. But what's different now is that rather than it being you pick either side, now you're picking one of 30, 40, 50 sides. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Like, I always want to see a what South Park does with it. Well, I mean, I haven't really been keeping tabs on South Park, but I feel like they are usually very on the ball with it. I feel yeah. like it almost, if if they've twigged onto this as well, I feel like it could make a great episode where, I don't know, Cartman makes his own altcoin and then <laughs> the whole of, like, South Park gets behind it and then, I don't know, Randy makes his own altcoin because he wants to be a, a billionaire. And then yeah. it, like, divides see... the, the, the town, I don't know. Cartman just having total control over his altcoin and just having like a really evil monetary policy with it that yeah. it just enriches himself and makes everyone else poor. Yeah. I could see, I could definitely see that happen in South Park. And then I, yeah, it, it, sorry. I was, I was just going to say like how, how it seems like the billionaires kind of play into it now though. Like obviously Elon is an obvious one. He keeps tweeting about Doge and I guess he finds it like quite funny, but it seems to have had now implications on, He's sort of like, I don't know if it's true, but he I've heard rumors of him being investigated about his sort of doge tweets and hiking the price. But then there's also um, Peter Schiff, who is like a huge yeah. like, gold stan um, and refuses to like accept Bitcoin's movement. But the amount of hate that man gets by talking bad about Bitcoin is like insane. And I almost think now he does it because of the attraction that it gets to his account. Like, I would not have known who this man was if it wasn't for like a bunch of people just like killing his fucking replies because he's saying how bad Bitcoin is and how like worked up these communities are getting about it. Yeah. And you see with with Schiff, there's a lot of logical arguments that, that go against him, I think. But then you do get like the the people that are just being really, really nasty. Mm-hmm. And that's and that's the line, isn't it? There's there's the people that are engaging in the argument but then you have the people that are just being horrible Mm. and it's just because he doesn't value your internet money like (laughs) it's 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 interesting like i've got confidence in bitcoin so i've i've got uh you know i I own um a a bit of bitcoin like and i've I've only i've been in it since so i first invested bitcoin back in 2013 but i stupidly sold my 0.1 0.1 of Bitcoin for 73 pounds at the end of 2013. Mm-hmm. And then in 2017, and that bull run got in, got hit by that. And then was fortunate to kind of rediscover Bitcoin during this uh, during this uh, bull cycle, 
before the ball cycle really hit. And so I've I've made a you know about I think it's like a four hundred percent return on on Bitcoin. Now I, I look at the investment case of Bitcoin of how it's an inflation hedge, you know, the the monetary supply, the fact that there's only twenty one million, the idea of how many businesses and uh, that are that are buying it, and just the the general principle of it being an internet gold. And I look at that and go, okay, I've got a I've got confidence in in the investment that I've made, and because of that confidence, I, I say to friends, I say to friends, you know, you should look at Bitcoin, not in a, this is financial advice kind of way, but more <laughs> of like, a, you know, Bitcoin's a thing and just sort of explain what Bitcoin is. But I don't feel like I need to go onto the internet and just like start bashing anyone that, <laughs> is, that is saying bad things about Bitcoin. Because I I kind of feel that is almost, there's a lack of, there's a bit of insecurity there about your investment. Like I've got conviction in my investment, so I don't feel like I need to get into arguments with people online about it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I know what you mean. I think I've actually kind of struggled to be like so opinionated about something that I feel the need to, to do the argument. I feel like I'm quite happy to just shrug off somebody's comments about, especially like something like a cryptocurrency. It's like, yeah, I've got money in crypto, but I'm not, I don't feel that strongly about it that I feel like I want to give my energy towards an argument. I yeah. think, especially when it becomes an argument. Like, yes, I'm happy to debate with somebody online about about the technology of a, a certain cryptocurrency, et cetera. But I almost feel like, especially within like the online community within crypto, there's a lot of like egotistical people and like people that absolutely think they're right. So it's almost like I've really struggled to have genuine debates with people that we're willing to educate each other. It's really been about like who's right and who's wrong. And I think that kind of goes far beyond cryptocurrency community to be honest i think i've seen that in many other areas where it's like there's a lack of balance now with people's opinions mm-hmm. um and i guess that's where the sort of tribalism comes from with the different online communities that i've seen specifically with the the link marines but obviously you've talked about the bitcoin maxis as well and they exist in every cryptocurrency but then if we if we think about sort of maxi that they, they exist in, in many many other areas outside of cryptocurrency as well i mean we don't really want to get into politics in this in this podcast, but that is a huge place where sort of you can have that kind of personality come about. Yeah, and through that you have the the echo chamber as well, where once you start getting into, once you start looking at the maxi and reading the maxi stuff, then the algorithm sends you down a maxi rabbit hole of no matter what topic it is. Mm. So if it's if it's Bitcoin, if you become a if you're a Bitcoin maxi, then you're going down a rabbit hole of Bitcoin stuff, even if you've only just read a bit. And that's only going to further make you a maxi. Mm. In the same way that if you believe QAnon and just a bit of QAnon, eventually it sends you down a rabbit hole where you begin to strengthen your view on QAnon and and you you have that that stronger view of it. But what I find interesting at the moment about the social platforms and where I see the change occurring in the future is that Twitter and Facebook, they consider themselves to be like town squares. So they see themselves as where communities converge. And that's one of the things that I really like about Twitter is the fact that you can read about so many different things and you can find all these different communities about stuff. So I tend to read and participate in the technology, crypto and sort of finance part of, of Twitter. But now with the the suspension of Donald Trump from Twitter by by Twitter, uh, rightly or wrongly, um, you know, that happened. And I think that's gonna be that's a big turning point because 
that's the at the time i mean he was the president at the time that is the most powerful man in the world being suspended and therefore in the eyes of some people being censored mm-hmm. now there's then there's there's a suggestion that what could that what we could see is trump going fuck you i'm going to build my own twitter and we've started to kind of see that happen there's a a, a, a thing called parlor that came about and there's a thing called gab which are kind of for the right for the right wing because the right wing and conservative voices feel that they get censored on twitter mm-hmm. and again rightly or wrongly they some it's, it tends to be more conservative voices get removed so they move to this other platform i do wonder if that is going to be an, if that's going to be a a trend that we see where communities do begin to move away and do begin to move onto their own uh, onto their own platform i think with politics it's a bit different because it is just more divisive isn't it i mean because it's your world belief but yeah. politics is is your is how you view the world it's not just how you view the monetary system with cryptocurrencies and stuff like that it's fundamentally your entire world view and as a result you there's a lot i think there is a lot more emotion behind it mm-hmm. and that's what i think drives people to move to these different sites now i what, what i do wonder though is whether that's a good thing or if that's a bad thing people moved away because you could argue there's going to be less division because there's less arguments happening but then there's also less conversation happening mm-hmm. so is that is that a good thing or is that a bad thing i wonder yeah because i was i was thinking like when you were talking about the whole town square thing I was kind of thinking like, obviously the, the recommendation engines have been like hot topic in the recent years and feeding people sort of what they want to see. But generally that's not a good thing. So I was almost thinking without the whole Twitter banning Trump thing, it feels like if anything, like separate individual town squares were being made anyway for those groups by the recommendation engines. So I feel like you would almost have your own town square where you're talking about your own cryptocurrency if we go back to that example and it's almost like you might just get one fleeting tweet whereby somebody's talking about another currency and the only reason it's kind of like it's almost like going back to the whole town square uh analogy somebody's like accidentally walked into your square and everyone's just like like jazz music stops and fucking everyone turns and just like (laughs) what the fuck like who who are you sort of thing like who are you on my timeline and like that doesn't necessarily open up opportunity for debate more just like an attack it seems that's just the way it seems nowadays but yeah i was thinking like is there really a need for people to to go to different platforms when it seems like the recommendation engines are already helping fester these communities by making it so that the community that you want to see is the only one you see pretty much yeah i think i think that's a that's a good question to ask because i guess the communities that are moving away is driven from it's driven from it's political mm-hmm. and what i mean by that is that you will find that the companies that run the platforms so twitter or facebook whomever they have their own a, a level of a political agenda that they have that and a view on what tolerance looks like and some people's political beliefs might go beyond that level of tolerance and may be seen as intolerant which you know at the moment there is a a rise of, of of white supremacy i think that's fair to say yeah with other communities you're less likely to see that you, you're not going to see i mean although Chainlink seems to have pepe the frog would be using <laughs> uh, perhaps uh 
erroneously using a, a, a white supremacist meme, but you're not going to see the Bitcoin maxes or the ETH people or the H barbarians going into white supremacy or going into the bit where it goes beyond the tolerance levels of the social media platforms. Yeah. I, I just can't really see it happening. So I guess, yeah, those, those pe- people in those communities probably won't end up separating and forming their own communities. They probably will just at least separate away from the platforms. So they're not going to go and build their own platform, but they are probably still going to have a slightly isolated communities within uh, Twitter or Facebook or whatever. Mm. And I think particularly around online communities, I feel like you almost have like a, a uniquely different aspect whereby it is like the anonymity of it all and people are like allowing themselves to speak very freely on, on a topic that they might not necessarily have done had they have done it in person. Like if you would imagine an actual physical town hall of different people talking about different cryptocurrencies, I feel like the conversations would be vastly different to what they are online, i.e. much less hate driven because you're going to get your face kicked in if you start spewing. Yeah. Which, you know, we've seen online for for pretty much since the birth, like people just the keyboard warrior typing what they want because they know that they're safe in what they're doing. Um, which I guess maybe in a in a weird way, I feel like Trump almost did that. He's just like tweeting whatever he wanted because he knew that there was no consequence. Yeah. Apparently he used to terrify the Pentagon at times. Really? Yeah. Because he would tweet about a military announcement that he was going to make and the Pentagon had no idea what he was about to tweet. Yeah. And he was just announcing that he wasn't going to allow transgender people to serve in the army. But apparently the time the Pentagon was shit to themselves thinking that he was about to like, because it was at the height of the North Korea tensions. Mm. And so apparently the Pentagon was terrified that he was going to say, yeah, we're going to nuke North Korea. Yeah, yeah. Well, there was a bit of name calling, wasn't there? Like calling um, calling fat guy and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. So I think it's it's just quite funny, isn't it? Because the, 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 his examples are examples that have already existed on the internet for a long, long time. Yeah. And I feel like now with these different social media platforms, it is very easy to build a community. I think like uh, also uh, like the whole, um, it is a bit of a running joke, isn't it? On the internet with the whole boomer culture, but like the Facebook moms and like they'll have their own Facebook groups. So like the, the really funny one I, I sort of remember is um, back when I lived in the Midlands, there was always like a Facebook group around the, the city I lived in and even the borough that I lived in. Yeah. And it's kind of like I know, own... I know which groups you're on about. <laughs> it's kind of like neighborhood watch, but online. Yeah. And like, oh, look at this accident that happened on like Brown's Lane. It's like nobody gives a shit, but because it's online, people just invest in it, and like there'll be a lot of conversation about something that is really insignificant. Yeah, and sometimes it would go into it go into argument. Um, one of the things I just want to I want to touch on is the the point that you made about anonymity. So are, are you aware of the Katie Price thing that's happening at the moment? No. I think this is going to end, open up a really big debate that's going on. So Katie Price has put forward a parliamentary petition and it's got over 100,000 signatures. So in the UK, if you do a parliamentary petition, you get 100,000 signatures, it has to be debated in parliament. Now, nothing that has ever had a parliamentary petition that's then been debated in parliament has ever materialised. Okay. It's, it's always just been like, a, okay, we have the debate. We've, we're, we're meeting our statutory obligation. It's been made by the whatever act it is that enacted petitions, but they don't really care. But her, what a petition is about is mandating that 
social media companies require you to have to provide identification to be able to open up a social media account as so, like know your customer like a, for social media. almost like a know your customer so having a passport having a driver license uh, provided and that's because of the the online abuse that her the son that a disabled son harvey's received but she's now felt that it's it's gone too far and that there needs to be some sort of measure in place to prevent anonymous trolls from just writing abuse. Mm. And I don't know how I feel about that, but but how do you feel? I think um, it's kind of uh, touching up on the whole like Caroline Flack thing as well. So Caroline Flack being um, a BB, um, not a BBC, a UK presenter, presenter of Love Island UK, who um, committed suicide after sort of allegations that she had um, assaulted her boyfriend. But a lot of that was all driven online and by people online spewing hate towards her. And I think uh, I'm actually kind of for it. Like, I don't think in, in many cases, the the anonym, anonym, uh, anonymity of, of social media has ever been a good thing. Like, why would it be a good thing? Especially if it's... So, so as long as you can be who you want to be online, but then behind the scenes the social media company know exactly who that person is. I don't feel like you should be able to ban, I'm going to make an account named Percy Pig and like that'll be that'll be me. But social media, the social media company running it will still know that actually it's it's me, Sam Pluska, that runs this account. So like it's traceable. I just don't think that you're you should ruin that potential creativity. So like for example, yeah. different funny story um whereby on a night out one time we made a Tinder account, Henry the Hoover. And it was really funny because like, a lot of like the girls on there would like match you to see what the fuck this was all about. <laughs> and basically you could be like, you know, I'm going to like suck you like 5,000, whatever, because you're Henry the Hoover. <laughs> because you're behind the personality of yeah, yeah. Henry the Hoover. <laughs> and like, obviously that's a lot, a bit of lightheartedness. And, but then, you know, there's a lot of other accounts like about, somebody's somebody's dog and it'll have like 10k followers well i'm sorry you ain't gonna do fucking know your customer on somebody's dog are you like what do you like no do you want a poor print signature with a with a driver's license or some shit like no it needs to it needs to link back to a, a human individual but it just means that the the account can be anything it wants to be it's just traceable i think that's where it should go yeah i guess for me it's just making sure that it doesn't sort of descend into this sort of chinese social credit score system that's in like that episode of Black Mirror. Okay. Do you know the one with the where everyone's pretty fake and saying nice things to one another? Where she ruins because... her wedding or whatever. Does she ruin her wedding? Yeah, her her credit score just like goes down. Not a credit score, like her social score just keeps crashing. Yeah. And yeah. then she goes to a wedding, which was meant to be her husband or something like that, and she like ruins it. And I just worry that we may end up going into that kind of system. I, I don't know. I just I I also personally want fewer private companies to hold my verification <laughs> is possible yeah like i can understand why the banks why banks have to hold it for anti-money laundering purposes because this is really serious financial crime twitter facebook i don't know i don't feel like it's in the it's as much in the bank's business interest to do anything from an identity perspective either like it's there to meet a regulatory obligation mm-hmm but they don't gain anything from having my identity commercially. Like Facebook, Twitter make money from advertising. Yeah. 
So there is probably some way in which they can monetize or potentially monetize the fact that they hold my identity. So, okay, I, I do agree with that. And I could almost argue that it's a little bit too far gone for us now. But anyone new to the internet or coming of age, you know, you want to do, you want to reduce your surface area of, of that sort of information on the internet. But what about... Do you, mean as in, do you mean as in because we've been on the internet for so long that yeah. our footprint, yeah. We're okay. fucked. We are fucked. I think like as much as you'd like to think you're being careful, I'm pretty sure people could piece together you quite quite easily on yep. the internet. But for those that, you know, are still like too young to have been using the internet, you would like to limit the amount of information that is kept in these private companies. So what about sort of the government acting as a brokerage to these platforms, whereby similar to how I was thinking, um, you know, like the telephone companies, they have an obligation if like asked by court, to pull back phone phone tele, uh, telephone calls then they can and that's like public knowledge something similar like that whereby the social media company doesn't need to know your identity unless you are reported and investigated to the point where it's like are you a part of this account and then they can query the government to see if like who is part of this account i'm not sure how that would work but that's just my thought i guess the social media company wouldn't necessarily have the right yeah because they, they aren't the justice system. But then you've also got the argument of not allowing the government to do that either because this view of like warrantless checks. Like, I mean, in the UK, you've got the investigatory powers bill, right? Yeah. So the investigatory powers bill basically means that if you are suspected of committing a crime, any government agency is able to read your text messages, check your phone logs, all that kind of stuff. So mm-hmm. the Food Standards Agency... And I just I always use the Food Sands Agency as an example in this because it's just the most ridiculous government department to have this power. If they suspected of you of committing a crime, so the key bit there is suspicion. Mm-hmm. They can get all of your they can get your information, and I don't believe they have to provide a warrant to do that either. They can just get it, and that's yeah. I just think that's quite bad, and that's why I'm I'm a, I'm a supporter of the companies like Apple who <laughs> who will fight at the courts and we'll we'll turn around to the FBI and say, no, we're not providing that information. We're not going to build you a back door. And all of the tech companies that are doing that and saying, no, we're not going to, we're not going to provide you with that info. And that's why we're seeing end-to-end encryption becoming a huge thing now. Mm. Yeah. I just think, I just think it's, there must be a solution to sort of meet in the middle here because essentially people are dying because of hate being spewed online. And it's easy to tell people to shut it off and just, you know, block it. But at the end of the day, it's difficult nowadays. It's yeah, it's difficult. Well, you're so connected. And like, if anything, to, to shut it off, the trolls have already won then because they've essentially denied you a, a service which you should be able to use without getting hate spewed down your, your feed. Yeah. And particularly, I mean, it is more has more effect on celebrity culture because they have a bigger reach. So they have a larger breadth of people's opinions being spewed on their timelines. Um, so Maybe then, what about a solution whereby if you are somebody... Oh, no, I don't know. I don't know. It's tricky. It's tricky. I I'm, I just have faith in... I would have faith in the government to hold my details because, as I've said, like my details are already spewed all over the internet in different places. So I would have faith in my government having my, my details for me, whereby if the investigation became serious into some of the tweets I was saying on, on a suspected account or... You wouldn't even need to know it was me, right? So 
if I had a, if I had an account Henry the Hoover and Henry the Hoover's gone rogue, right? He's he's now he's now spewing like white supremacist bullshit on Twitter, right? And then somebody goes, "Hang on, like who the fuck's this Hoover? Like you can't you can't be talking this madness online." I'm going to report you. The investigation started. Somebody in the social media company has to then investigate this tweet, not just fucking AI bullshit. A, a legit person that can understand context, unless you like build your AI to understand context in that way. But th- th- that can then make a decision to say, we need to escalate this and find out who is behind this account. So like at least a, a way to find out that if there was an investigation going into this account and it was spewing hate, that it could at least be traced back. And that wouldn't have to, the information wouldn't have to sit with the private company. That's that's kind of where I think it could head. Yeah. And I guess the identity, you could potentially have the identity system is a bit like, something a bit similar to like India where India's government has a system called Ad, Adhar, I think it's A-A-D-H-A-R. And that allows you to provide information. You basically, if you imagine upon the form submission, mm-hmm. you it's an API and you call the API and in the API request, you provide the name, date of birth, all that kind of stuff. And basically when you send it, the Indian government responds with, yeah, Mm-hmm. That that's a person, so you could potentially do that where you've got a mandate that it goes through some sort of government identity broker to to confirm. But yeah, I don't I don't know the liberal the, the liberal in me is I don't know I, I'm not a fan of the idea of the whole just the, the searches and things like yeah. that. I think I think it, I think it's just the fact that there's there's a there's a fine line, and what you often find as well is that like with liberties, it's very difficult to earn the liberties but it's very easy for them to go mm-hmm. and for them to be taken away from you and slowly but surely i feel like liberties with respect to privacy are being taken away yeah i think that's a fair assessment and i think you know give them an inch they'll take a mile perhaps you're right and i just yeah i, I guess you'd have to weigh up the how, how successful it would be to have this kind of like know your customer against sort of the lack of privacy that would come with it and I'm really, I would be interested to see just how much of a deterrence it would be from the creation of troll accounts by having this like extra step to say like, you will be traced. Yeah. I think that's enough for, for many, cause like most of these, most of these trolls are filthy casuals. Like they're not, they're not like making it their mission, are they? To, to go and spew hate. They're basically just jumping online because it's easy to do. It's easy to spin up an account and fucking start spewing hate against some, somebody you're probably just jealous of whereby if there is this deterrence factor where it's like we can find you then unless you are really a diehard person of hate spewing which i don't really know too many people that are then i feel like that would be a powerful enough deterrence for those people and therefore reduce the impact of trolls or the occurrence of trolls yeah i think this debate is going to be going on for a very long time about identity about you know trolling privacy the role of social networks are they publishers do should i mean should is it is it facebook is it twitter's responsibility to delete the content that's racist that's sexist that's or, or even just offends yeah. and and then and then you and then but then when you get to that level it's kind of like well what is offensive and what isn't offensive yeah, you know yeah. there's there's some things that are objectively offensive you know racism sexism that's got no place in society but when you then get to the level of what is offensive and what isn't offensive, you know, is it is it 
is it Facebook or Twitter's responsibility to to remove that content? Yeah, it's a good point. I think that's kind of like the whole birth of like cancel culture as well, isn't it? Is, yeah. is the whole Kevin Hart thing of like digging up like tweets he made years ago about that were like bigotry or or what have you. I think there is there is certainly a fine line, and that line isn't marked in the sand at the same place for everybody. It can be at different levels, which I think is your point about what is offensive and what isn't offensive. But nor is it nor is it marked at the time. That's true. Like the goalpost can move as time goes on. Yeah. Saying? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's not to excuse the, the stuff that's been written, but there is like the view of like, you know, you look at some of the stuff that, that Disney produced 60, 70, 80 years ago, things like Song of the South. So Song of the South is like a, uh, seen to be a, uh, a racist film that Disney produced. It's, I think it's the only film in Disney's archive that isn't on Disney Plus. Mm-hmm. And that seemed to be, it seemed to be racist. At the time, socially, culturally, it wasn't seen to be that way. Yeah. And now looking back at it on a, with a 21st century lens, it's bad. There's no denying that. But it just makes you wonder like, what is being said now that in a 2070, when looked on with a 2070 lens is, is bad, is, is bad that's being written now. And it, it then, when you're saying about like people going back into tweets and stuff, like if you if you wonder like how how long Twitter goes on for, let's let's hypothetically say that we are now at peak social media, and well, we're well, sorry, we're kind of at the point where there's no social media's re- reached too too large of a size, and Twitter won't go, Facebook won't go, they are the dominant players now, and and their dominance won't be gone. The politicians of the future, the future prime minister. The future president of the United States is on Twitter right now, is on Facebook right now. They have got Twitter accounts, they've got Facebook accounts. Mm-hmm. They are 15-year-olds, 16-year-olds, 17-year-olds. They are potentially posting really, really stupid stuff. Yeah. And what's going to happen in the future is somebody going to be able to go all the way back 40 years and see what the president of the United States, what President 95 <laughs> wrote back in back in 20, back in 2021. I totally get what you mean. I guess like the 2090 uh, presidential run, you have somebody as old as Joe Biden, but you have a online profile, which is as old as his his life, which is, yeah. you know, we, we don't have that nowadays, yeah. do we? Which is, uh, it's, it is an interesting point. It's I suppose it's that we do kind of on our social medias create somewhat of a journal, which is open to those, um, well, depending on your privacy settings, is open to those to see. So... Yeah, I mean, I've seen I've seen many cases of that. Another example I can think of is um, college players in American football when they're going to be drafted in the NFL. The first thing people will do is is dig through their old tweets and try and like dig up dirt on on those players mm. to to affect their draft position. And that's happened a couple of times. But you're right; it is like you you change so much as you grow up, especially when you're a naive teenager. That I think. The things that we've you do all said say. stupid. We've all yeah. said stupid shit when we've been teenagers. Yeah, and I, you know, I've, it's just got me thinking. Like, I don't think I've combed my social social media profiles of like stupid shit I've said. So I'm sure you could all dig in and find out. But I think people don't people don't really ex, like appreciate the growth of that person. They just take it as mm. face value. Oh, this is this is Kevin Hart. This oh my god, this is what he thinks now. And clearly people can change throughout their life. And maybe they just weren't aware that that tweet existed. Like people aren't going to remember making that comment. So if you've shown it them 
in five years time they think oh my god like i can't believe i said that that's so stupid without anyone calling them out whereas yeah. it seems now like the way people take it is like you have to be called out for your opinion to change so excuse me so um yeah just think like it's kind of part of the online community thing that is it's, it's it's this face value there's no real context behind what people are saying it is like a face value here it is this is what it is whether you're saying something to uh, to somebody or you're simply reading what somebody has said. Yeah, I think the future will be think before you tweet rather than think before you speak. I think that will be <laughs> the lessons that's taught us first. Careless tweets cost lives. Is that what you're yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think I think it is it is going to be something that's that's quite dangerous. I mean, I, I've I have done a because I've had a Twitter account since like 2009, mm-hmm. and I mean I don't have a Facebook account, I don't have an Instagram account. And I've gone on, I have basically done a thing where I've said like all tweets before this date, but before like 2015, 2016, delete every single tweet. Oh, can don't you know do what that? it don't. Do, yeah. I, I, okay. You have to use like some API, like a, an app or something like a Twitter web app or something. Okay. Uh, but you can do, but you can say, right, delete everything before here. And I mean, I don't know if any of it was stupid, probably a fair bit of it was stupid, mm-hmm. but I just thought, sod it, just get rid of it. Yeah, because also, I mean, it's not it's not reflective of you, like you said, like the the change, the growth that people go under, and not even just from teens to to adult life, but I think a lot of people, it doesn't matter what age in life you're in, people undertake hard, but undertake some sort of hardship that can be transformative to them as a person. That means that even if, and let's say that happens at thirty three, come thirty five, they may end up being a totally different person to the person they were when they were thirty three. Yeah. So. It's and that's that's the problem with with social media being this like you said like this open journal because it's not reflective of who they are. If you go into the past, it's just not a reflection. Yeah, and I I actually really like to kind of full circle this back to the chain link Marines, where it's I wonder how like the the anonymity of them, how old they are. Are they now going to look back in in ten years time and look at that old account and go fucking hell? I was like such a such a moron like. It's cringy how how bad it was. I think so. Mm. I mean, I used to get into flame wars about Xbox versus PS3. Yeah, I was, I was. Uh, I mean, I think I was, an, I was Xbox 360 at the point in which I was very mature, and then I, a few years later, I got a PS3, and I actually ended up following the PS3, even though <laughs> about two years ago, I swear by the Xbox 360 and say that PS3 was the worst thing ever. I used to hate Apple. Really. Yeah, I used to be a proper Android fanboy. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. So before I got my first iPhone, I was like a proper Android fanboy. I was going like, you can't customize an iPhone. Yeah. And then later on, I realized, hold on, how much customization have I actually done on this Android? Yeah, it's like yeah. very little. And then later I then realized, actually, I don't give a shit about customization. I just want the phone <laughs> to be good. <laughs> <laughs> and and then I ended up becoming a, an Apple, and then I ended up buying like Apple products, ended up becoming an Apple fanboy. Mm. So... Me, my tweets from years ago, where I was Android fanboy Harry, they're not reflective of who I am now. My tweets now, where I tweet happy 20th birthday, Mac OS 10, that's reflective of me now, which is an Apple fanboy. Yeah. And obviously, as we've had conversations, your sort of political views have, have changed somewhat, not majorly, but your opinions on like Brexit and stuff like that have, have changed. Yeah. So it's not, you're not going to be the only one in that case. I think there's going to be many, many people that certainly change along the way. I just think there is 
not a good representation of that person changing when looking through their history, unless you look at the history from point A to point B, which nobody ever does. And also when people dig into old tweets, it is purely to say, well, look what you said back then. Yeah, it is, isn't it? Yeah. I think that a sign of someone that is intelligent is being able to be presented by new information and actually wanting to change their mind mm-hmm. based on different argument. And if somebody looks at the tweets that I made a while ago about point A, and now I'm talking about point B, and they go, well, five years ago, you said point A. It's yeah. like, well, yeah, well, I've been, I've received new information and I've, I've actually changed my mind. And I'm now, I think, point B rather than point A. Mm-hmm. So, but you thought point A, you thought point A. Well, it doesn't matter. <laughs> I think point B now because of the new information. Yeah. It, it, it seems like, and that kind of, I think to a level, that goes back to this kind of tribalism view where it is very much a, not even like down to, uh, particular subjects, but just purely from a us versus them kind of mentality, in no mm. matter what it is, it's like, well, you said this mm. five years ago. And 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 as well, and what I mean is, is that when people dig back, they're only digging for dirt. Yeah. They're not digging for gold. Or no. at least it is gold to them. It is gold to them because then you're going <laughs> to use it against you. But, yeah. you know, they're doing it for, for malicious reasons. Yeah. I've, I think you're right, because I've never seen anyone dig up somebody's old tweet and go, well, hey, you, you know, you thought this five years ago, and now, you, and now you think this other way, and then gone, so like, can you tell me why? It's not, it's never like that. It's like, yeah. so you're a hypocrite. You're a fucking bullshit. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's, um, it's interesting, isn't it? Because I mean, like, it's, it's, it's like humans, it's human nature to be, to change your mind. And obviously everybody does change their mind. It could be about the most insignificant thing. But then, like, people can still call people out for changing their mind. And it's just kind of like, it doesn't make sense. It's, like, really hypocritical. I think there's just, like, hypocrisy everywhere on social media. Yeah. And I do wonder whether... I, sp- I think for us it's very difficult because we, although social media existed... Sorry, social media only started to exist about 13 or so years ago. And, you know, that's about half our lives. Mm-hmm. each for each verse but our formative years were under in the digital age so you know, our formative years it, we, we've it's been spent on facebook it's been spent on twitter it's been spent on instagram it's very difficult to think about what culturally it was like before that and i wonder whether this mentality of well you said this and it very much being a, a thing where people aren't allowed to change their mind whether that is something that has happened because of social media or whether it was something that existed before social media. Mm. Has social media just made us angrier people? Potentially. Or does it, or, or, or is it more the fact that the anger is already, or, always there and it's just put a megaphone to it? I think um, it's kind of like, maybe it's the speed of which you can reply, like the instant sort of feedback. You know, how many times do you think in person you've had an argument with somebody and then afterwards you go, I wish I didn't say that. Yeah, it's the same thing on social media or well, like any online community now, whereby you can like respond to somebody in like an instant, and perhaps there's a bit less regret because it's not in person. So you're like, I don't give a fuck about this person. Whereas in person, like when you're in the real world, saying something to some somebody you know, it does have an impact on you afterwards when when the dust has settled. But I like the idea of like in medieval times, some like somebody's like written you a a quill written note 
and you get like furious about their opinion <laughs> and like but it takes you like the lag it takes you to like write the letter back like you're fuming but like as you're writing it you go ah to be honest like I'm not that angry anymore and therefore it all simmers down yeah whereas like online it's like the pot just like it overboils like it, and it, it and it can overboil because it's just like one reaction after another reaction like just a chain reaction of anger I think that that's that's it that's a really interesting point. I, I do wonder, like, I know you sort of made it in jest, but now I kind of wonder, like, if if there wasn't that latency between communication, would we be alive right now? <laughs> what? You'll have to elaborate. Like, like, conflict and wars. Oh, okay, yeah. But would that have happened? Like, would, would conflicts and wars have happened that basically have wiped us out as people? And the latency of communication is what's helped there. I mean, certainly not on a global scale, I would agree. But obviously, we like humans have been fighting each other locally for, for centuries. Yeah. So maybe just like, it, maybe it just creates a bigger cauldron. Whereas without that, with, with the latency, you're basically just fighting within your own little like source put. But then the online community aspect of it, and, you know, especially with just like telephone communications and stuff that, you know, was in like the 20th century. It has opened that door for conflict across borders in like a real instant way. Um, it's a good point. Yeah. That's like the very, very end spectrum. I, I, it's weird how it became to this part of the journey. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's gotten very philosophical, hasn't it? Yeah. But it's, it is, it is, it is a very interesting topic. And I think it's one that is going to continue to be a debate for the future because it's not a, it's not a, uh, it's not a technology thing. No. It, it, it's, technology plays a part, but I think it just plays, um, it's just playing the role of a mirror and is, mm. and that mirror just reflects humanity and reflects culture back at itself. Yeah. Yeah. I think you're right. I think um, the Katie Price stuff is interesting though. And I, I wonder how much traction it will get or will it require something more catastrophic to happen to somebody or a group of people for then action to be put in place and what is the power of the uk parliament to facebook to twitter will they even give a shit just the technological sphere in 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 its whole entirety i think it's there's just it's almost like a decoupling of power isn't there which i mean you took you touched upon with trump getting sort of banned from twitter how how is that governed Mm. and does it mean that other leaders other world leaders are going to go you know what I'm at risk of being censored. Yeah. So I want to, because you've got the American internet and you've got the Chinese internet. China is separate from the rest of the world, but the American internet is the internet that we're on mm-hmm. because it's dominated by the tech companies, by the American tech companies. But seeing an American tech company remove the American president, the most powerful person in the world, from its platform, censoring them, will that make other world leaders go, shit, if they can censor the president of the United States... They can censor me and I'm going to make my own. Need more trustworthy channels of communication for them, I guess. Yeah, makes it, yeah, it's a good point. But then most world leaders weren't tweeting in the way that Trump would tweet. That's that's true. Like I, I was going to say, like it could be an overreaction and maybe it was necessary for Twitter to do what they did in yeah. order to stop the pot from boiling over because he was yeah. certainly on gas mark five, wasn't he? But um, it's just... It's something. It's a. It's a. It's a very interesting topic. I think obviously we kind of kind of disagree on 
the know your customer part, which I think is a yeah, it is probably it's a, rarity. Be, it's a rarity. I know, I know, I know. And you think if if there's a divide between me and you there, then you can imagine the rift between the like, on the online sphere that this yeah. will have. So yeah, I and, guess. And for, let's think. It's it just and I guess for me, it's not so much. I think it is awful that people are getting abused and that people are, you know, and and people haven't and people are taking their lives as a result of that. And I think it it needs to stop. I think it's just I worry about the the liberty aspect of things and and the liberties being taken away. Mm. But mm. yeah, it is it is one that's going to continue to be uh, discussed. And I guess that there's probably a strong chance that we'll be talking about this again in in a year or two's time. I think. Yeah, I think you're right. More, more comes out and and more shifts happen. Yeah, I mean it's it's definitely got me in quite deep thought. I think because I'm really questioning like, will anything get done within the next two years, or will we still be talking about this within five years, ten years time? Mm. Because you know how quick years can roll by, and it seems like major things happen and not a lot changes, and it's just been allowed to to fester. Yeah, I just think it will come to a point perhaps where it's where it is like you know let's say North Korea did um, declare war, something something as catastrophic as that because of an online community. I just <laughs> I just think like it's possible. It's possible, isn't it? It's possible. It's a thing. It's laughing at the possibility. It's, 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 that's, I guess that's what's almost sadly kind of funny about it is the fact that it is possible <laughs> that the, the, the end of the world could be triggered by Name an online on community. Twitter. Yeah. 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 You just need somebody crazy enough to... In- instigated are you yeah i don't want to be the person that that writes the tweet bleak <laughs> very <Yeah>. bleak <laughs> <laughs> well i guess we'll leave it on that one then guys yeah leave you for thought so uh thank you for listening and um yeah stay tuned thanks for listening to this episode of future talk if you enjoyed this episode please leave us a review on apple podcasts and if you'd like to suggest a topic for a future episode, DM us on Twitter. I'm at BT Kluska. And I'm at Harry Moy. Everything we've discussed in this episode is linked in the show notes. See you next week.